the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome, everybody. We're delighted to have you with us uh, this morning, this afternoon, this evening, or in the night, whatever time you happen to be uh, observing, listening, and watching our program. And so we welcome you, but we also want to welcome Jake and Keeley, who are our guests today. And uh, Jake and Keeley, thank you for joining us. And just to remind our listeners, the whole point of this um, podcast, a radio broadcast, is to interview people who have allowed Jesus to use them as his hands and feet in the lives of others. Not so that we will copy exactly what you're doing, but that we can listen to your story and the Lord can use your story as an encouragement to us, uh, as an, um, as a inspiration for us to think more clearly about how we could better represent Jesus Christ in our world. So welcome to the both of you. And as we get started, why don't you guys, uh, share the elevator speech? Of who you are, who are who are you guys? Yeah, well, thank you for having us on your program, Dr. Moffitt. It's it's an honor to to be here with you guys. So, uh, or virtually, I guess I could say. Uh, yeah. So, my name is Jake. This is my lovely wife Keely. As you said, um, we are from different parts of the country. I'll start off. I was born in Idaho and raised in Montana primarily, uh, and uh, after I went to high school kind of grew up in a in a in a broken home so to speak and and uh, uh my parents divorced when I was young so really just had a, kind of a, a challenging childhood but it was my high school year uh in track practice a buddy of mine was talking about uh, tra- uh excuse me talking about um uh, youth group yeah. and I was just I was excited about it I was like this sounds amazing so he invited me kind of began to hear about Jesus at that time and was like, this is intriguing. And, um, mm. and the youth pastor kind of pulled me aside and said, Hey, would you, would you like to consider, you know, following in the faith? And I was like, yes. So anyway, I kind of said the prayer, but I don't think I really truly grasped what it meant to follow Jesus till I was in my later twenties. And, um, and then, yeah, through God's providence, he really drew me into the kingdom. And I would say I was born again then, um, so yeah, we're now in our four, I'm in my forties, my wife's 
uh, coming up on her forties and, and, uh, we've got three lovely kids and, um, yeah, so it's a little bit about us. Yeah. We've been married for, um, almost what, uh, 13 years, yep. 13 years coming up this fall and, um, it's been a life of adventure, um, the way the Lord has brought us together and really, um, put us on mission for his purposes together. And it's been, um, yeah, um, sharpening and humbling and, um, everything in between. So, well, yeah. you you talk about mission. So, yeah. what what is the specific mission or calling that God has put on your lives? Yeah, that's a good question. So, uh, back in two thousand five, uh, I just really started asking God, God, what would you want to do with some? What, what would you want to do with my life? What what could I mm-hmm. truly do to serve you? And uh, felt like He was actually leading me to just kind of learn what my spiritual gifts were. And uh, so I took the spiritual giftings test and took a class at the church I was at. And it it leaned towards missions and faith and apostle. And I was like, well, what does all this mean? And they're like, well, you need to go meet this guy. And so I met this this dear, who's now still a dear friend of mine. This is again, almost 20 years or so ago. And he began to just disciple me, pour into me, share about God's heart for the nations. And through that, he encouraged me to take this class called Perspectives. And so I took Perspectives and was like blown away. Wow. I heard about God's heart from Genesis to Revelation. And so anyway. Yeah. And um, our our heart really is to live on mission for the Lord and do that in a way that it's not it's not boxed in, but it's everything. It's everything we do, not just with each other, but with our our children and also with our community that we we really try and foster. And um, that the key part of that here is where we're at. Um, is to reach internationals and the nations that are really coming um, here to Arizona and the Phoenix area. And that's really our heart um, beat because, um, you know, that the Lord has, he's bringing them here. All the nations are coming here. Tell me, how do you, I understand Phoenix is hot since I lived there 40 years. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So so how do you brave the heat to to get out of your house um, to, uh, to minister to these internationals. And how do you do that? What specifically, how do you do outreach to internationals in your, in Phoenix? It's a great question. I'll just kind of say, God led us to buy a house where a lot of internationals live. So in Tempe, we're right across the street from Arizona State University. Okay. They call it the Tempe 1040 window, which is kind of a fun moniker for those that great. don't know. Yeah. 1040 window is that, that window, if you will, across the world where the remaining unreached, unengaged people are, I think it's like 80% of the remaining unreached, unengaged people groups live. Well, ASU has about 15,000 international students, and many of them are coming from this this 1040 window, if you That's will. That's the size so, of a, a Midwestern city where you guys grew up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just the international side. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we purposely are kind of incarnated amongst them. So across the street, we've had Pakistani neighbors and Chinese neighbors and Saudi neighbors. And Afghan neighbors. Yeah, Afghan neighbors. And Indian. Yeah, Indian. So I mean, a lot of different ones. Okay, well, it's yeah. one thing to have neighbors. Yeah. Um, how do you go beyond? How, how do you acknowledge them as neighbors and how do you go beyond that? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'll, I'll just give you a quick little story or an example uh, that happened last year is okay. uh, obviously we have three kids and um, 
they're in the public school system here because we feel that's the best way for um, them, our own children, to be discipled and learn how to to minister to the lost as well. And um, I was standing at the bus stop trying to put the kids on the bus and um, there was a fully covered woman standing at the bus stop. So I just said, hello, (laughs) introduced myself said, are you new? How can I help you? Um, Because you don't look familiar here. Um, Can we trade numbers? And we just hit off a friendship. So it's really trying just to be a a good neighbor the way that the Lord has called us to by introducing yourself and um, saying, how can I help you? Um, This doesn't look like it's a familiar place to you, but it is to me. So how can I help you um, establish yourself or learn the rhythms of life here? Can we be friends? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. And yeah. do you still, do you still, I mean, did, did that go somewhere? Did she? Yeah. So, um, yeah, this, this, um, woman was, um, getting her master's in education for a whole year here at ASU and she had her four children with her. And, um, obviously from a very, um, conservative Muslim country, um, Saudi Arabia. And um, yes, it went really well. Our children became friends. They rode the bus oh. together. We had tea times together. Um, when her husband came to visit, my husband became very good friends with her husband. Um, I helped teach her how to drive, which wow. is scary sometimes. Um, and so these are just little things we do. Like even my husband, um, he he helps some of the the men, the international men he he um, makes friends with, uh, he teaches them how to drive or brings them places or helps them with paperwork, all these like mundane things that we think, but they really do need help with. And it right. really can show the love of Jesus and lead into spiritual conversations with these people. So you, you said that your, your children got to meet her children. Yeah. And you are there, are they friends? Do they continue to in, interact with each other? So yeah, um, this particular family has gone back to their home country. So, but we still um, communicate via WhatsApp. Um, but yeah, our children have had many um, friends with their international children. Um, just last this last year too, they had some Pakistani friends who we um, we hosted and we taught them um, different traditions around the holidays and to ex- you know expose them to different things. And they still talk with them or say uh, WhatsApp with them. WhatsApp is really big with a lot of internationals, so um, that tends to be the platform if they move away or move somewhere else. Um, to really foster, to continue to foster these relationships. I'm really impressed uh, with the idea that this isn't just for the two of you, it's for your kids. Mm-hmm. Too. That's right. Yeah. It's yeah. a family ministry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you- we really believe it's important to, to raise them up and help them to see like reaching out to the nations that are here and welcoming them and befriending them is super, you know, important for us to make sure that they're being involved in the ministry as well. All right, Jake, uh, tell me a story or two, you know, that illustrates the long-term impact of your befriending international um, international folks. Yeah, that's a great one. So I'd say one of the stories that helps kind of paint the picture of the long-term effect is back in 2016, I got connected to this gentleman who's an international student from uh, Muslim majority country in the Middle East. Um, and he expressed interest in the faith and I, I hadn't even really gotten to know him. I just kind of got connected to him through kind of a, some different circumstances. And anyway, we started, 
I just said, hey, I'd love to start a Bible study with you. You know, I want you to understand what you're really getting into. And we set up a uh, time to meet the very next day and he didn't show up. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I thought maybe did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? I started kind of playing the story in my own mind. Yeah, yeah. And um, through his, so I texted him back and called him no answer. But about four or five months later, out of the blue, he calls me up and just says, hey, I just I, I'm, I'm so sorry for for, you know, not showing up to our appointment. He says, I really had to count the cost of what this decision meant. He said, over the Christmas break, I flew my parents from the country where they live yes. to a different country so I could begin to tell them about my decision that I want to begin to follow Jesus. He said, wow. really, it was just I was I was counting the cost. He didn't say those words, but that's essentially what yeah, he said. Yeah, amazing. It is amazing. And so I said, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, he, said, he says, I'm ready to start studying the Bible. And oh, by the way, I do want to mention that his parents were okay with him in this. Really? Decision. Yeah, well, which is okay. really, really that's was usual. encouraging for me. Yeah, yeah. We started studying the Bible. He uh, said yes to Jesus. I baptized him, began to disciple him. He started to come to church. He ended up graduating with ASU with a, like a health science, de- health sciences degree. He wants to be a dentist and check this out. He just recently got offered a full ride scholarship to John Hopkins university. In That's kidding. Wow. So he's <laughs> actually on his way uh, in, in just a few days, he'll actually be traveling to Baltimore to, to go live out his dream of getting his master's degree. And he's just an amazing kid. I mean, the circumstances of, I could go into more details of, some of the things that he's been through, it's been really challenging. In fact, he was just at our house last night kind of saying goodbye. Yeah. This was like a six or seven year journey of helping him and seeing him get established in the faith. So you're, you're saying, Jake, that this isn't something that happens overnight. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, I'm saying it. And I just want to say discipleship is messy. There's been so many times where I just got frustrated and I wanted to you know, but I had to just love him where he was at because I had to recognize he comes from such a different, comes from a strongly Muslim background. And I, I had to just love him where he was at and not, not condemn him by any means. You know, just wow. it, sometimes as Christians, I think we can be a little bit harsher on the younger generation, if you will. And it's yeah. like, oh, we got to, we had to handle them with kid gloves. They're, they're, he's new into this culture. He's new into the faith. And so just walking with them was, was yeah. So, so there's, there's challenges involved for sure, but it's yeah. so worth it. Yeah. So from what you're saying, I see two key principles here. One is um, not being judgmental, not, not looking at it from, from at the relationship from our perspective and saying, well, that's not acceptable. It's being willing to be understanding and flexible. Absolutely. And the other thing that I've picked up from the two of you is time. Yeah. It, it This isn't something, uh, the process of helping people to to encounter Jesus um, is not something that happens, especially when they're coming from a background where they would have rejected Jesus at, at first glance. Yeah. It takes patience and time. It really does. It's almost like God wants to teach us a lot in the journey. We sometimes think that it's all about us teaching them, but it's like God's 
saying, I, I want to teach you a lot in this journey too. Yeah. I want you to grow in your faith too. So, so what, what if you don't have a lot of time? You just meet somebody at the airport or like you did, Keely, you met this lady at the bus stop where she was putting her kids on the bus. Um, you know, you know, what if we don't know that we have a lot of time uh, to invest? Yeah, I think I, I think that's a great question. I think um, being open to um, the Holy Spirit's leading too, and how he wants you to um, have certain conversations with these people um, based upon the time that you're given um, is really, really important. Um, so and I do believe he gives you time as long as you're willing to um, sacrifice some of your fleshly desires to push into that time. So right. sometimes it's not convenient for you and you're like, well, I'm on a schedule. Um, but then sometimes you have to be like, well, that schedule has to fall by the wayside because the Lord's prompting me to stay longer or mm -hmm. to sacrifice sleep or to push out, a, you know, something that you already had planned that afternoon because, um, it, 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 that's what he's calling you to do. So you have to be willing to have this flexibility. And I, I would just say to die to your, your flesh in a lot of ways, right. um, which is difficult and hard. Totally. <laughs> I, I sometimes have arguments in my head um, with the Holy spirit about like, no, I don't want to do that today. Mm -mm. And, yeah. and then he's like, no, you need to do that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Well, just remind our listeners that you're listening and or watching to the kingdom and its stories. And in this broadcast, we, we interview people who can help us maybe rethink what we're doing and how we're living in order to better be Jesus hands and feet in our lives. No matter what our, you know, what our vocation is. Um, but just to think, okay, this is who I am. Father, how do you want me to represent you among the people I meet? And there may be people just standing at the bus stop. And I can remember meeting a, a covered lady one time um, sitting. She came and sat on the same bench I was with her little boy. And, and her little boy and I bonded. He must have been four or five years old, and he just wanted to spend time with me. And um, and she was embarrassed that he was bothering me, and I just said, "No, this is fine." And um, and I had some time between flights, and we just really—I I have no idea what the, how the Lord will use that. Um, but she didn't speak much English, uh, and the little boy was his language ability wasn't all that good that yet. But we just bonded. And it, rather than getting up and going, because he was kind of climbing all over me. <laughs> and uh, and she was embarrassed. And I said, no, this is perfectly okay. But I just, I thought, you know, Lord, this is an opportunity. You know, I don't know what you'll do with it, because I, I'll never see them again, probably. But maybe this can be part of what you're doing in their lives to introduce them to you. So thank you for being with us, both of you. Uh, question. Are, are you guys doing this full time? Do you work? Um, and um, or is do you have another vocation? 
I did have another vocation for many years. I was a trauma nurse actually at this at the hospital up in Scottsdale, Scottsdale Osborne. Um, so I did that for a number of years. And then just over a series of um just months and years, it just felt like God was kind of leading me into full-time ministry. So we actually do this full-time out of our house. We part of our vocation is to actually train up long-term workers who are actually willing to move overseas. Mm -hmm. So we run a a training program called Launch, and that helps equip and train up and send uh, long-term workers to the nations. My wife and I lived in North Africa for a season of life, and and so now God's, through some different uh, providential reasons, God's brought us back, and now we're kind of in the phase of equipping others and helping to send. Well, tell us about Launch. That sounds very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I'll jump in and share just a little bit, and then Keely can jump in and share on. Uh, so she helps oversee the the women that go through launch. I help oversee the men. Um, so it's a nine month training equipping program. We start in August and we go till May. Part of the training is actually to move down into the community here. So we've had I don't know anywhere from sixty to seventy people now, including children that's moved down either from other states to come through our training or that's moved from the suburbs here of the Phoenix area. Is this full-time or part-time training? Yeah. So the, the training itself is, uh, it's about a 15, I tell people it's about a 15 to 18 hour a week commitment. And of course, just like anything in life, the more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. But at least the, the very minimum is 15 to 18 hours. But we ask you to do this in conjunction with a full-time job, or a full, being a full-time student, or okay. a combination of the two. Or a mom. Or a full-time mom. <laughs> okay, yeah. So. You mean that's a full-time job? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it really is. So. Yeah. But yeah, we we like to have them um, work or have the other rhythms of life. Um, to Like we said, for us, this is a way of life. So part of that equipping and training to go um, long-term overseas um, is also to learn how to establish these rhythms of life. And like, how do I, how am I a mom, but I'm um, also on mission? And how do I help disciple my children while I try to introduce others to Jesus and disciple others? You can do it all. You don't have to have these little boxes. Um, so, yeah. It's so, so. Do I get the implication that no matter what you're doing, like being a trauma nurse, trauma nurse, that you should also be on mission? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's really in a lot of ways what we're training people to do is many people that go through our training or we've had doctors last year. We had three physicians go through our training. We've had nurses and teachers. And the goal is really to help them to implement the kingdom values into their all of life. Okay. Um, so that they're not compartmentalizing. Oh, this is, I'm going to work. So now I take off my Jesus hat. I, you know, and I know we want, we want you to, to bring the gospel wherever you're going. And so we can you tell us a story uh, that illustrates how some of the people you've trained have moved into, um, into seeing that they have, they need to be on mission, whether or not, um, no, I mean, no matter what their vocation is. Yeah, I I can share a story of a gentleman that we just recently sent to North Africa. This is a gentleman in his early 60s. He's a grandpa. Um, He was recently widowed about four or five years ago. Uh, His wife passed away. 
So he really just felt the calling of the Lord on his life for years, actually. And um, through just some different conversations, he felt encouraged to move down to Tempe. He sold his house in, in Gilbert, moved down into Tempe, lived in our kind of community where there's thousands of international students, learned how to share the gospel with you know internationals and so forth. And then just recently, about six months or so ago, launched into, like you say, into, you know, North Africa. So, and he's thriving, he's doing well, he's learning the language. So this training is really for many, many different, you know, age groups. And the reason I kind of picked him is he was one of the first ones that came to my mind and wow. so really encouraging guy, really sharp. And yeah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Jake and Keeley, thank you so much for your willingness to share with us today. And to share with us the idea that it doesn't matter what our vocation is or how old we are, but it could even be a grandpa in, her, in their 60s. And we need to realize that God has called us to be on mission. And so I just really appreciate your willingness to be with us today and to share your stories with us. And may the Lord bless you as you continue not only being Jesus' hands and feet, but training others to do the same. May God bless you. Thank you. And may those of us who are listening realize that we need to consider how we can better be Jesus' hands and feet. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.